Thank you for downloading the podcast edition of the Community Baptist Church Service in Henderson, Kentucky for February the 3rd of 2008. Our pastor, Dr. Tim Hobbs, concludes his sermon series this Sunday on life on the next level. The truth shall set you free. His scripture reference comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17. We're blessed this morning to have special music brought to us by Caitlin Corsi, along with her mother, Audra Corsi, who is our guest pianist for this morning's service. We invite you to attend the church of your choice. If you're unable to attend church, we invite you to these services. Community Baptist Church is located at 1026 Pebble Creek Drive in Henderson, Kentucky. We stand and lift up our hands, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down and worship Him now, how great, how awesome is He, and together we sing, holy is the Lord. God Almighty, the earth is filled with His glory, holy is the Lord, God Almighty, the earth is filled with His glory, the earth is filled with His glory. We stand and lift up our hands, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down and worship Him now, how great, how awesome is He, and together we sing, everyone sing. Holy is the Lord, God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. Holy is the Lord, God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. The earth is filled with His glory.
for your greatness and we are here today to acknowledge that you are indeed our great and awesome God. We thank you for the spirit of worship that is in this place and we come to you to give praise to you for you have done so much in our lives. You've exhibited your greatness every day, just the world around us. You are our creator and our sustainer. Your spirit drives us to be the people that you want us to be following you and being your disciple. And we pray that you would accept our worship today as something pleasing in your sight. Accept us, O God, as your people and empower us to do your work. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
Boys and girls, you've got Miss Nicole going to be with you this morning. We are so excited right now. The hottest growing group in our church is kids. And we're so excited about that with our great uh, team that we've got doing those kind of things and their teachers and all that. It's great that we're doing that. If you watch our attendance, you don't see that breakdown, but it's almost twice what it was a year ago. And we're excited about that. Boys and girls, if you can come on down here, if you need somebody to come with you, if you've never been down before and you want a big person to help, that would be great. Come on down and sit over here. Come on, you come closer. So, we have a holiday coming up. Does anybody know what that holiday is? What is it? Valentine's, Valentine's Day. That's right. And do you know what people get a lot of times on Valentine's Day? Usually girls. Girls like. What do they like? Chocolates? Boxes of chocolates? Yeah. Has anybody seen Forrest Gump? Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get, huh? No, that's you're a little too young for that, huh? Um, I brought in a box of chocolates today, and actually I brought in a lot of box of chocolates. But um, these chocolates are shaped like hearts, you know, and, and it kind of represents what I think God uh, represents for everyone in our lives. He loves us, so that has a lot to do with the heart, right? Uh, the heart represents love. This is for someone special, and I think God thinks we're all special. And God's a little different from us, um, people on earth. Usually we, sometimes we have our favorite chocolates, right? You open it up, there's all different kinds in there. And there. They have strawberry and chocolate and caramel. And sometimes if you're really sneaky, you can flip them over and put your little finger in there. And you can tell what it is before you get it so you don't get the one you don't like. <laughs> don't do that to your mom's chocolates, okay? She may not like that. She'll know it's you now. But you don't do that? Oh, well, you ask first. That's good. That's a good girl. But I'll sneak in there and do it myself. And then, you know, I don't like that one. I'll put that one back. But um, God doesn't look at people. You know, we're all like a box of chocolates. We're all different. We're different on the outside. We're different on the inside. Some of us don't know God. Um, there are people out there that, that don't enjoy God's love. But God doesn't care what we look like or the kind of person we are on the inside. He loves us no matter what. He wants us all to follow him and to know him. But no matter what, he loves us. No matter what we do, he, he still has eternal love for us. And that's like a box of chocolates. He doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you're coconut on the inside or your strawberry or your caramel or your chocolate. It doesn't matter to him. He loves you no matter what. And that's how we should be. We should love people no matter what they are or who they are, right? And so I want you to go away today thinking that, you know, if you have people on the bus that, you know, may be different than you, they don't go to your church, you should still show them love and caring and be so sweet to them that they want to know where you go to church and they want to be here with you too, right? All right, I've got um, something special for you, but let's have a moment of prayer first. You just missed the whole message, didn't you? <laughs> you should love him. Don't hit him. That's not very nice. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have a moment of prayer. Yeah. Here, come here. Come here up here with me. Come here. You want a piece of chocolate? Come over here. <laughs> well, let's pray real quick. 
Dear Lord, thank you for all the blessings that you've given us. Thank you for this wonderful church home that we have with all these wonderful children and giving us the opportunity to teach them to grow and to be loving loving children and loving people and, and uh, to be able to carry your message out of these doors and, and into uh, their friends' lives and those that are around them and just to show them that you know we as our, their parents and their grandparents and their church family love them and uh, we really want them to grow up to be great, loving, God-fearing children and, uh, and, and bless their lives as, as they continue to grow and, and learn how much you love them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I have your own box of chocolates for you. Everybody come up and get one. You can go back and sit down. You don't, you don't know the chorus we're going to be doing this today, but I'm going to do it like they used to do about 200 years ago. If you went to an old country church somewhere, somebody would sing the first line and then you repeat after them. And then that's how they learn things. Some of you may have done that. Uh, we didn't do that where I was there, but uh, still, there may be some of you that used to do that. We're going to do that on this chorus and then go into that hymn that you do know. We're going to stand as we do that. Get ready for your part. I'll tell you how it goes. And then you can sing with a stand as we do get ready for that. Okay. Can you do the responsive We'll do the responsive reading first. You can have a seat. You would know I put this together, do you? Okay. Well, we will we will read responsibly. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The Lord and the Spirit are one and the same, and the Lord and the Spirit sets us free. Now that you have been made free from sin, and you are God's slaves, this will make you holy and will lead to eternal life. Hail Jesus, you're my king. I will obey your word. I want to see your kingdom come. Not my will, but yours be done. Hail Jesus, you're my king. Your life frees me to sing. I will praise you all my days. Perfect in all your ways. I will sing of my Thank you. 
Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this day, and I thank you for this church that we have to come to. And I just want to say thank you, Lord, for all the people that we have here in this church and what this church stands for. We come here today with thankful hearts, Lord. And I ask that you be with those who are burdened and that you show them your, your comfort, Lord. Amen.
Cause your grace still amazes me And your love is still a mystery And each day I fall on my knees Cause your grace still amazes me Your grace still amazes me Savior, you make me whole. You are the author and the healer of my soul. What can I give you? Lord, what can I say? I know there's no way to to me so often I have to follow that act and what thank you Caitlin what what a wonderful blessing that is thank you so much for that today we're going to look at the last part of our life on the next level series and if you will remember during this series we've been talking about how God wants us to to live a higher quality of life and how God wants us to take our lives to the next level in 2008. But we've been very honest about this in saying that this kind of life is not easy. And indeed, Jesus never promises us that it's going to be easy to be a Christian. Therefore, our definition for life on the next level has been a higher quality of life at a higher cost. 
And by life on the next level, what we mean is that God doesn't want to just impact one area of our lives, say the area of our faith. Instead, God wants to impact every area of our lives and to take our life to the next level in all of these level, all of these areas. And we are looking at we've been looking at four specific areas uh, during this series of sermons. When we kicked off the series, we looked at biblical faith. We said that if we want to take our faith to the next level, then we do that by reading and by following the Bible. And this year, many of us have committed to read the Bible through entirely during this year. Then the next week, we looked at how to live a generous life, generous with our time and generous with our talent, with our money and with our witness. Then last week, we talked about our relationships. And the key there was being a good friend. We looked at the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And, and, and basically, when you boil the, the golden rule down, it says if you want to have more friends, if you want to have a better relationship, then you first have to be a better friend. Today, we're going to close out the circle of what should be the ultimate result of the Christian life. And that is freedom. Now, how do we get freedom? <clears throat> well, the definition of freedom on the next level is living in Christ. My friends, when you are living with Jesus in control of your life, in all of the areas that we've been talking about, then you will experience real and noticeable freedom. I want you to think about this for a minute. If heaven is our eternal reward after we die, then what is our reward for following Jesus here and now? Well, it's certainly not money, because Jesus never promises us that we will be rich. And it is not fame, because Jesus never promises us that we will be popular. And it's not success or ease, because Jesus never said that we will always be at the top of our field and that life will always be easy for us. In fact, Jesus says to us that following him is actually more difficult than not following him. But there's one thing that Jesus does promise us when we start following him, and that is freedom. When Jesus comes into our life, he sets us free from those things that have kept us imprisoned for so long. You see, we get we get peace for those things that we've been carrying around, loading us on our shoulders, all that worry, all that anxiety, all that fear and regret and shame and guilt. We're set free from all of that. Let's look at our, our first scripture verse for this morning. We find it in 2 Corinthians 3.17, and this will kind of be the springboard for the rest of our message. Uh, Timmy, if we can put that up there. There we go. Um, it says, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Let's say that together. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Do you see that? Wherever God touches our lives, there is freedom. But the converse of that is also true. And that is that in whatever area of our life we are holding back from God, there is 
bondage. Those are the areas of our lives where we have stress and anxiety and fear and regret and doubt. And there are a lot of people today who are Christians, but who don't live in that freedom that God wants us to have. Because there are some areas of their lives that that we're holding back. And so today we're, we're going to look at how to experience real freedom. We're going to do that by looking at the story of two blind men from the, uh, the ninth chapter of Matthew. There were two guys who were not free in a very practical sense because they were blind. And blindness was an even more daunting disability in the first century than it is today because there, were, there was no Braille back then and there were no schools for the blind and there were no guide dogs and there was no place that they could get employment. In fact, they were, they were probably very poor because they had no way to earn an income. Most blind people in those days were beggars. And so I picture these two guys living outside of the city gate somewhere, begging in order just to, to get by. But in our story, these two beggars decide to go to Jesus to look for a miracle, looking for freedom from their blindness. And three things happen to them as they seek this freedom. And the three things that happen to them are the same three things that need to happen to us if we want to receive the freedom that God wants us to have. So we're going to look at those three things today. And the first thing is this. To experience real freedom, we need to know the truth. Now, here's a little background to our story. Jesus has just performed one of the most amazing miracles that he had performed up to this point. He had come to a house where a little girl had died and they were already making the funeral arrangements. People had gathered in the house and many of them were weeping and and carrying on. And Jesus walks in and, and he tells everybody, don't worry about it. She's just sleeping. And everybody laughs at it. But he raises her from the dead and all of a sudden everybody goes bananas. They can't believe what has just happened. And the crowds are all around him, pressing in upon him. And so Jesus leaves this house. And this is where our story picks up in Matthew nine twenty seven. It says, after Jesus left the girl's home, two blind men followed along behind him, shouting, son of David, have mercy on us. Now, I want you to notice that the blind men knew something about the truth of who Jesus was. We're not told how they know. Maybe they had heard about Jesus from other people. Jesus had been performing miracles. And so maybe they heard about this guy who could make the lame walk and the blind see. And they didn't have to anything to lose. So maybe, just maybe, he could do something for them. This was their chance. And so they ran out onto the road and they start yelling at Jesus and they yell, son of David, have mercy on us. Now, the fact that they called him son of David indicates that they have some kind of understanding of who Jesus claimed to be. They knew that he was not just some ordinary traveling preacher or some cheap street magician. They knew that Jesus was claiming to be the Messiah. 
Because the scriptures promised that the Messiah was going to come from from the line of David. And that term son of David was often used in reference to the Messiah. And so to call Jesus son of David, they were referring to the fact that he was the Messiah. And so they asked him for his help. They hoped beyond hope that this really was the Messiah and that he really would be able to do something for them. Now, for most of us, our problem is not physical blindness, is it? No, it's much worse than that. It's something that we call spiritual blindness. For you see, we we all have an an emptiness or a, a hurt or we know that there's something missing in our lives. And we have some area of our life that maybe it's just not right. There's just something not right about it. And we have this this spiritual blindness because we don't understand the truth about what our situation is or the truth about who Jesus is. And if we really want to experience true freedom in our lives, then the first step is to know the truth about Jesus. Look at what Jesus said in John 8. He said, and you shall know the truth. And the truth will what? Set us free. So you see, if you want to be set free from the things in your life that keep you in bondage, then the first thing that we need to do is to know the truth about yourself and about who Jesus really is. And here's the truth about ourselves. Truth is, we are not free. We are not free because of the sin in our lives. It is the sin in our lives that causes us not to be free. For you see, God says, this is my way. This is the best path. This is my path for your life. This is the path that leads to life on the next level. And I want you to have this abundant life that I've set out here for you. But we say, no, God. I think I might go over here instead. I'm going to go in the opposite direction. I'm going to follow my path and I'm going to do what I want to do, my own thing. And folks, I want to tell you, that's called sin. And sin builds up this big wall between us and God, because when we're going our own way, we're going away from God's way. And it keeps God's presence and the freedom that God wants to give us from being able to to come into our lives because we are separating ourselves from God. And that's our situation. And that's why so many times we feel that emptiness and we feel that hurt and shame and regret and worry and anxiety and fear and all of that. But the Bible says that God saw our situation and God stepped out of heaven and God became a human being And that human being died on the cross for those same sins that separated us over here so that we can have eternal, abundant life with God. Look at how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians. He says, God alone made it possible for you to be in Christ Jesus. He is the one who made us acceptable to God. He made us pure and holy and gave himself, listen to this, To purchase our freedom. So you see, Jesus died on the cross so that you and I can have freedom. 
And the first step to experience it, experiencing that freedom is to know the truth of who Jesus is. Then the second step to experiencing real freedom is to experience that truth. Going back to our story, after Jesus raised this little girl from the dead, crowds were gathered around as he left their house. And and, and on the road, the, the two blind men see their chance. And so they jumped up and they called out, son of David, have mercy on us. They were asking Jesus to heal them. But either in this story, either Jesus doesn't hear them because there's so many people around or he doesn't see them or or maybe he's just so busy or so tired that he doesn't respond to them. And so he goes on into the house where he is staying. But I want you to see what happens next. in Matthew nine, the two blind men went right into the house where he was staying. <laughs> That's pretty bold, isn't it? They went right into the house where he was staying. He didn't respond to them out on the road, so they followed him right into the house where he was staying. And Jesus asked them, do you believe that I can make you see? And they said, yes, Lord, we do. And so he touched their eyes and and said, because of your faith, it will happen. And suddenly they could see. They were set free. They experience the freedom that can only come when God enters into our lives. Now, I want you to imagine this for a minute, what it must have been like for them. I I don't know, maybe they had been blind from birth or maybe they had come down with some kind of illness that caused them to to go blind. Uh, Maybe I don't know how long they had been been blind, but I want you to imagine what it must have been like after having been trapped in complete darkness for so long, to suddenly be able to see. To be able to see the light and the colors. And it was brilliant and it was beautiful. I was telling someone just a couple of weeks ago, after my dad had cataract surgery, he said, I had forgotten how bright and how vivid the colors are. And so for these blind men, it must have been incredible. They were freed. And I want you to notice that they weren't healed when they knew the truth. Knowing the truth was only useful in so much as it spurred them on to meet Jesus face to face. No, they were healed when they experienced Jesus firsthand. Because you see, knowing the truth is important, but the Bible tells us in James that even the demons know the truth about Jesus. They know who Jesus is, but it doesn't change their life. And in the same way, there are a lot of people in churches today who know the truth about Jesus, who know who he is and know what he has done, and we believe it and we accept it, and we know all about the Bible and we know all of the praise songs and all the hymns, and, and but we still live our lives saddled with guilt or worry or anxiety or fear, and we're not happy and we're not satisfied because we have never experienced the truth of what we say we believe. So there's a difference there between knowing and experiencing. Now, I have to confess to you that I tricked you a little while ago when I read John 8, 32, which says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Because 
That's the way we hear it quoted all the time, isn't it? You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. But it's taken out of context. That's not exactly what Jesus meant. It's close, but it's not exactly what Jesus meant. Now I'm going to put verse 31 in front of it to give you the, the full context. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, or to the people who believe in him, you are truly my disciples if you keep obeying my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see that? Jesus is not really saying that knowing the truth will set you free. What he is saying is that obeying his teachings will allow you to know the truth that will set you free. There's a little distinction there. Now, some of us think that the secret to a better life is to know the truth. But what Jesus is saying here is that knowing the truth without obedience is worthless. And I know we don't like to talk about obedience, do we? I mean, it sounds so parental. (laughs) Sounds kind of harsh. What's God going to make me do this time? But I think there's a misconception about obedience because when we're told that we need to submit to God, so often we see it as, as giving up our freedom in order to obey God. But that's not the way it works. Because you see, what happens is when we obey God, when we submit ourselves to God's will, we have more freedom than we ever had before. And when we disobey God, that's when we lose the freedom that we have in our lives. Folks, if there's an area of your life where you are not free, then I guarantee you that that is an area of your life where God is not in control. Look at what Paul says in Galatians 5. He says, For you have been called to live in freedom, not freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, because that leads to bondage. That leads to addiction. That leads to to pain and destruction. But freedom to serve one another. Now, when Paul was writing this, he was he was writing to the church in Galatia who had grabbed on to an idea that in Christ they were free to sin. We are free in Christ so we can do anything we want to. That was their thought. They thought that when they sinned they, and they asked for forgiveness, then God's grace would cover them. And so they figured that the more they sinned, the more of God's grace would uh, would come to them. Paul was horrified by this. Paul says, no, you don't understand. The more you sin, the more imprisoned you become to that sin and to the destructive habits and to the control and to the opinions of other people. So the key to freedom is obeying God so that we can experience God's very best in our lives. So we first need to know the truth. And then we need to experience the truth through our obedience. Then there's one more thing that we need to see or need to do in order order to see real freedom in our lives. And that is that we need to share the truth. Perhaps one of the most most interesting part of this story happens after the two men were, were healed, the two blind men were healed. Something surprising happens there because Jesus said to them, don't tell anybody 
about this. He healed them of their blindness. And then he said, don't tell anybody about this. But what did, what did they do? They spread the news about Jesus all over that part of the country. Now, that seems to be kind of odd to us. Why did Jesus tell them not to say anything about it? Well, by this time in his ministry, Jesus had become quite the celebrity. And so what's happening here is kind of akin to what happens when Britney Spears goes out to whatever she's doing. You know, the paparazzi claim, kind of clamor around and they're pressed in all around. And people have been coming from all over the place to see him. So maybe Jesus is just just wanted to fly under the radar a little bit here. And he didn't want the whole area to know that he's there in town and they've come pressing in on him. Or maybe Jesus didn't want to become known just as a miracle worker. You know, he had a far greater message than just the miracles that he was performing. And he wanted to get that message out and and not be known as just a miracle worker. Or maybe he was just tired and worn out and needed a little retreat, a little rest away from the crowds. But regardless of what he said, the two men blatantly disobeyed what Jesus told them to do. And instead of keeping quiet about it, they went out and they spread the news all over the place. And they did just the opposite of what Jesus told them to do. Now, sometimes in the scriptures, the most important thing is what's not there. And I think this is a case. I want you to notice what the scripture does not say here. The scripture does not condemn them for doing that. It does not say that they sinned. And I kind of think that Jesus wasn't really mad at them because they did it. Might have been a little frustrated, but I don't think he was mad. And I don't think that Jesus really expected them to keep their mouths shut. I think Jesus probably knew that they couldn't help but to tell others about what just had happened to them. I mean, how could they not tell? First of all, how could people not notice that there was something different about them? Hey, Weren't you blind yesterday? You know? How could the people not notice that there was, there was something different? Now they can see. Now they, they are doing things. Now they're walking down the street without bumping into things. And now they can have a job and quit begging. And their lives have changed. And you know something? It ought to be the same way with us. When Jesus impacts our lives and brings freedom into our lives, then people ought to know automatically that this that something has happened because they can see there's something different about us that we just can't hide. And also, how would you be able to hold something so wonderful in? If you were blind and now you could see and and you were told not to tell anybody How in the world could you help but to tell people about one of the most incredible experiences that you ever had in your life? You can't do that. You can't hold something like that in. It's kind of like if a man and a woman have been dating for a while and the, the time comes for them to take their relationship to the next level, to borrow a term from my sermon series here. And so... He takes her to a fancy restaurant, fine meal, romantic music, 
finally the moment is right and he gets down on one knee and presents her with a beautiful diamond ring and asks her to be his wife. And she says yes. And they're so happy and so much in love and, and so much looking forward to their life together as husband and wife. But there's one catch. What if he said to her, you can't tell anybody about what just happened. Don't tell anybody that we are engaged. Don't show anybody that beautiful diamond ring that I just bought for you. Don't let anybody know that we are planning to get married. Now, do you think that's going to fly? Yes? I don't think so. No way. She's going to be on the phone as soon as that date is over, or maybe even before. She's going to call her mama. She's going to call her friends. She's going to flash that ring around all over her workplace. And soon everybody's going to know that he went to Jared's. (laughs) And in a similar way. When we experience the grace of God in our lives, it is such good news that our lives ought to become contagious. Because after all, this is the most important thing that will ever happen to us. Knowing and experiencing the love of Jesus. Because folks, when Jesus enters into our lives, when God changes our lives, when God gives us true freedom. We just have to share it with other people. In Israel, flowing out of the mountains of Lebanon are some rivers and streams that flow into the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee is a beautiful place, teeming with wildlife. Fishing villages are all around. It's a beautiful place with grass and trees. Then out of the Sea of Galilee flows the Jordan River. The Jordan River is a very important river in that part of the world. In fact, that's where Jesus was baptized. And it flows down and provides economy. And again, it's also teeming with with life. But the Jordan flows into another lake. This lake is known as the Dead Sea. And you know why it's called the Dead Sea? It's because nothing lives there. Absolutely nothing lives there. The land all around the Dead Sea is barren and it looks like a desert. And and if you went to the Dead Sea, you you would see that the water is kind of thick and soupy. You can actually float on your back, almost on top of the water. That's how how it is. I've seen pictures of people floating, just kind of laying back, almost on top of the water. You know why nothing lives there? Well, it's not because there isn't fresh water coming into the Dead Sea, because the Jordan River supplies it with plenty of fresh water. But nothing lives there because there's no outlet to the Dead Sea. There's no water flowing out of it. And the only time water leaves the Dead Sea is when it evaporates. And when it, when it evaporates, it leaves behind the minerals and the salt, and all that becomes thick, and, and nothing can live inside of it. And it doesn't matter how much fresh water goes into it. It's stagnant because there's no water going out of it. And I think that for some of us, this is a parable for our lives. 
Because you see, it doesn't matter how much truth we may know about God or how much we may try to experience the presence of God in our lives. If there's not an outlet for us to share our faith and to live our faith, then we too become stagnant and we do not experience true freedom in Jesus Christ. Remember that passage I read a few moments ago from Galatians? For you've been called to live in freedom, not freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, because that leads to bondage. But freedom to serve one another. So you see, when we share our faith and when we serve one another, it brings us freedom. When we share our faith and serve one another, it brings about the possibility of freedom for the people that we're sharing our faith with. But when we share our faith and serve one another, we are guaranteed that we will experience the freedom of Christ in our lives. First Corinthians 420 says God's way is not a matter of mere talk. It is an empowered life. And the Greek word for empowered there is not talking about a power that comes from from within us. It's not something that we can do for ourselves. It's an external power that comes from the outside and makes us more than we're capable of being on our own. It's the kind of power that frees us from the mess that's on the inside. And that's what happens when God comes into our lives and gives us freedom. He gives us freedom from that mess. It gives us freedom to know and experience the presence of God. It gives us freedom and the power to share our faith and to serve one another. Thus giving our lives an outlet to express our freedom and our hope in Jesus. And so I pray today that all of us may know and experience And share the truth of Jesus Christ. And by doing so, live our lives on the next level, a level of abundant life. Because, my friends, Jesus was indeed correct. The truth shall make us free. Amen. There may be someone who needs to make a commitment to Jesus Christ this morning. There may be someone, maybe your life is filled with anxiety and worry and stress. And there are some things that you need to hand over to God and let God take care of. Maybe it's time for you to experience this freedom. Maybe you've never experienced this before. Maybe you have and you just kind of let it go and you've decided you'd go your own way and, and you need to come back to God. We invite you to do that today. Make that commitment to Christ. Maybe you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to unite with our church as we as we seek to know the truth about God and about ourselves. As we seek to experience God, as we worship together, as we fellowship together, and as we seek to share the truth about God in our ministries and in our lives. If God's dealing in your life in any way, we invite you to come and share it with us as we sing together. Open my eyes that I may see. It's number 502. Would you come as we sing?
Oh God, we pray that you will indeed open our eyes so that we may see the truth, so that we may know the truth and experience the truth of your son, Jesus Christ, and thus experience true freedom in our lives, freedom from guilt and sin and worry and stress and anxiety. And now as we go from this place today, may we take what we know, may we take what we have experienced through your Holy Spirit And not bottle it up like the Dead Sea, but let it flow from us as we share our faith and as we serve one another in your love. For it is in your holy name that we pray, the name that brings us freedom. Amen.